Hi, this is Philip Millman from the Generic Board Game Podcast. All the board gaming content you want at a fraction of the price. And this is Vic from NaveCon in Ireland, and you're very welcome to our top 10 rundown that we're going to talk about today. We had a little chat beforehand, we said we'd look at, um, in the same way as two drunks compared our bottles, um, we're going to look at, uh, or in our case, two drunks compare you know, they're like for brass polish and uh, <laughs> methylated spirits. We're going to talk about uh, the games that we like and our particular poison. Um, might be something interesting, something that you agree or disagree, but um, I think you'd be surprised in the, the list of games we have today. So we haven't really talked about um, what we like or don't like to each other, so it's going to be a surprise for the other person. Um, so we'll start off, and I'll tell you what my number 10 is and we'll work our way back up and we'll mention one or two other games along the way um, my top 10 game uh, my 10th in the list is Fury of Dracula Fury of Dracula is a hidden movement game uh, where one person plays Dracula uh, and then you have up to four other players trying to hunt him down around Europe it, it's a lovely game uh, it came out from Games Workshop many many years ago uh, the rights were taken up by Fantasy Flight, and there was a second edition printed, which is the one I have. Uh, and then relatively recently, in the last two or three years, it was reprinted, and the rules were tightened up and changed, uh, and there was a third edition launched. It's now hard to get. It's become expensive because, as you probably know, Fantasy Flight and uh, Games Workshop don't see eye to eye anymore. Game is lovely, well worth a play. Somebody has a copy of it. And it's worth seeing. So, number nine, uh, number ten for me. So, Philip. <laughs> um, I, I still think he's a little drunk right now. He can't remember nine from ten. Anyway, my number ten is my big party game of my list. It is Codenames by Vlada Zhivaltel, and I hope I pronounced his name correctly. And this is from CGE Games. What I like about Codenames, besides the simple play, is it's easy to teach, it's easy to get to the table, it scales extremely well, whether two players up to, say, 14 or 16. I'm always looking for more people to play games with. And Codenames is one of those games that can be played any, at any time, anywhere. And it's a nice, light game that helps people get introduced to the tabletop hobby without having to learn, I don't know, a five-hour GMT game. So uh, my number 10 is Codenames by CGE Games. Uh, my number nine uh, is Through the Ages. Uh, Through the Ages has been recently, uh, well, sorry, in the last few years, has come out as a new version, so it's the new Through the Ages. Uh, it's a very interesting game. It's a conquest game, so that gets a tick from me straight away. But it's a conquest game without a map, and that shouldn't really work, but it works fantastically well. Uh, the game is one to four players, well, two to four players, um, and it works through the ages, if you will, where you're building technologies, you're fending off and attacking other players, and you're trying to score as much culture as you can. Uh, the game has come out as an app recently. It's a really, really slick app. Um, I've played this game in person. I've played the original version, the new version. I've played it online. I've played the app quite a bit, uh, and I highly recommend it. What's interesting about it is a two-player game is completely different to a three- or four-player game. The tactics different. It's a real desert island game. Uh, every time I play it, I see something a little bit different. Um, 
and that's my number nine through the ages. Now, num- your number nine is uh, something I have on my shelf of shame, at least the newer version of it. And I did get it on your recommendation for the laptop, but I haven't played it yet. I mean, not the laptop, tablet. I haven't played it yet. I am going to play it. So my number nine is the abstract game on the list. I tend not to go towards abstract games, but this one is so good. And once you get your imagination into it, it's not an abstract at all. That My number nine is Quantum by FunForge Games, developed by Zimmerman. And what's great about this game, it's a 4X game of, of, a, of a type where the map is different each game because they're individual tiles, square tiles, and the, the ships are dice. And the way it works is the more pips on the die, the faster the ship, but the weaker it is in combat. Because when you roll your dice for combat, it's the low number that wins, not the high number. So a one, <laughs> ding, one, a one uh, pip ship is very, very strong, but very slow. A six is very, very quick, but very, very weak. I love this game. It's hard for new players to get into quantum because of the abstract nature. But once they get beyond that, that psychological hurdle of dice or ship, the, the game is just, they get into the game, they really, really enjoy it. It's a game that I play at least two or three times a year. I've owned it. It's great. Quantum is my number nine. Um, I actually really like Quantum. I got a copy of it. Um, not on your recommendation. I've had it a little while, but it is different. And, and there's a kind of funny uh, thing about it I've noticed, and you probably noticed this too, is you start to look at dice as the ships. You start to look at ones um, as big ships, kind of like Picard looked at the four lights and <laughs> saw five or three lights and saw four. Um, but it, I think it's a cracking game. I, I really, really like it. Um, it doesn't get out often enough, but it's uh, it's a really, really nice game. Okay, my number eight is a GMT game called Fire in the Lake. Uh, it's one in a series. Um, so games like Cuba Libra and A Distant Plane. Uh, I've played a few of them. I really like Fire in the Lake. It's a Vietnam game. You have four different factions, each of which is a little bit different each of which play differently, and even the allies are um, unlikely allies. You know, you have the South Vietnamese army and you have the Americans army. You have the Americans with a lot of firepower and the South Vietnamese want them to kind of go in and do the fighting, whereas they use the budget of the South Vietnamese and you've got the South Vietnamese that uh, are corrupt and so on. Uh, hope there's no South Vietnamese listening. Um, but the, the game itself looks kind of dull you have a map you have cubes on the map i've had people comment on it and kind of go it looks terrible but the gameplay is absolutely stellar and uh, you come away from the game and it's a long game or it can be a long game four or five hours and you you know you've played something special uh, it's one of these games where the rules are relatively simple uh, it is a complex game but once you pick up the rules they all make sense but there's so much that you get from the game i i, I highly recommend it if you get to a convention and you get a chance to play this game, you should really better still with people who know the game. Uh, it's it's an experience. So that's my number eight, Fire in the Lake. My number eight is my one filler game in the top ten. It is Arboretum by Z-Men Games, developed by Dan Kassar. It is a great filler game with really tough decisions. Very simple to teach, very simple to play, but the decisions really what are what make the game. You're creating these paths of trees, and if you want and if you want to score your path of trees, say of an oak, 
you have to have the highest value oaks in your hand of anybody else. What makes this game great is, as you start getting through, it's very simple. You pick up two cards, either from the top of the deck or from other people's discard piles. You play one, pace, place one, and then you throw one into your discard pile. What the game becomes is, what card do I really not want to throw down or discard, but have to? Because I can only have seven cards in my hand. Great game, very tight, plays in 30 minutes or less. Wonderful game to play over lunch. That's number my number eight, Arboretum by Z-Man Games. Um, haven't played it. It's it's I've I've seen it. Uh, haven't had a chance to pick it up, but uh, it would appeal to me. Yeah. Yeah, you can't pick it up because every time it goes into print and it's had two or three printings, it sells out almost immediately. The question always is on BGG for this at least Arboretum is when's the next reprint? Mm -hmm. And Z-Man is really bad about reprinting games. Oh, okay. Uh, challenge accepted. My number seven is Eclipse. Eclipse is a 4X space game. Uh, it is a 4X game, but it's also an economic game. And it was one of the first games I encountered that had the whole um, kind of popular thing now of lifting cubes to uncover abilities. Uh, the game itself is relatively simple. Um, it doesn't, it's not a looker. It's not the most attractive game. It's like a a poor man's uh, Twilight Imperium, but the gameplay is excellent. Uh, you go out, you explore planets, uh, you colonize them, you build up your economy, you research technology. Now, all the technology is weapon-based, fantastic, uh, or all based around getting your ships closer to the enemy and doing them harm. Um, and the whole thing generally, um, by turn eight, becomes a fist fight in a phone box, but... Um, it's a very nice game. There's a lot of replay value in it. There's different races, all, and they're all pretty clever. Um, there's a number of expansions, both major and minor, all worth a look. Uh, and there's, it's one of those games that you can play again and again. I have played a game. I was either nine or ten player version of it, which for an four X just doesn't work. But in this case, it did. Um, but I would highly recommend it. Uh, Eclipse. Great. Well, my number seven is Francis Drake by Peter Hawes, published by Eagle Griffith Games. This is the game that has the most pl direct player interaction. It's not like a war game where you're constantly fighting and stealing other people's resources. It's a game where you outthink your opponent. It goes over three rounds or the three different years that Francis Drake voyaged into the new world uh, where I live. And during each round, you go through Liverpool where you're picking up resources, and you go one way down the track. And if you get to a place first, you get the most of that resources, second, third, and then other people are blocked out. And then once you get to the shipyards, then whoever's there first gets to place where they're deciding to go first, first, second, third, fourth. And you don't know what other people are doing because the chips uh, are blank on the back side. And so it's not until the reveal stage, which is the third stage, that you know how the different ships went on their voyage and how many points you get. And if you're the first person and are able to complete the mission, whether it's destroying a ship, taking a fort or a town, or trading with the natives, that's going to tell you how what you're going to get. It's a bit of a point salad game. It's a bit of a set collection game. But what I like most about it is you care deeply about what other players are doing because you're trying to outthink them each and every play. So uh, my number seven is Francis Drake. 
I really like Francis Drake. A friend of mine had it uh, brought along. It's a very big, kind of chunky game. The The map is big. The pieces are big. It's kind of Tonka toy big. Um, but I really liked how it played out. It, 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 it's, it, it's got a lot going on there. Okay. Uh, my number six is War of the Ring. And War of the Ring is a Lord of the Rings game. Uh, it's, I was going to say it simulates, but it's, it's not far off to say that. Uh, the journey of the ring from the Shire to uh, Mordor. You have one side, either two players or two teams, uh, who play the forces of good, uh, who are trying to raise the other races and get them involved in the war and get them allied and on side. You've got the um, forces of darkness that are trying to capture the ring or militarily destroy uh, the, the forces of good. It's a great game. It's one of these games where you have decisions to make and limited resources to use and it will uh, become quite a headache as the game progresses. Uh, the game is beautifully produced. It's lots of pieces on a big map. Um, the collector's edition, which a friend of mine has, is a work of art. It's all hand-painted. Uh, it's a big game. It takes up a lot of space, um, but it looks extraordinary. It takes a little bit of setup. It's a relatively quick game to play. Uh, and it's definitely recommended to try it out. So my uh, recommendation, number six, is War of the Ring. My number six is a game that came out last year. It's Lisbo Lisboa by Vila uh, Vital Lacerda, uh, produced also by Eagle Griffith Games. It is, uh, and besides the great Vital gameplay, uh, staggering number of, of decision trees that you have to go through, trying to economize your card play because... The reality is is that you may get two or three plays per round. There's three rounds, and you need to be able to trigger multiple events with each play. The joke is you the game is simple. You take a card, you play a card, but each card you play, where you play it, how you play it, has a dramatically different effect on the game. And the other thing that I really like about it is the fact that it is very much a beautiful game with the artwork of a fellow Irishman who's currently living in Australia called uh, Ian O'Toole. I happen to really like Ian O'Toole's artwork. I like it in his other games. Uh, this is the only game of his that's on my top 10 because the gameplay of by Vidal Lacerda on this game is just amazing. And that is my number six. Um, yeah, good name O'Toole. The, um, my number five is Tissue. Uh, it's a little bit different. It's a card game and it's a trick-taking, ascending trick-taking game. Uh, there are many games like it, but none quite like Tissue, uh, and possibly because I played so much of it. This was a game that I used to play after a board game night where someone would say, let's have a quick game of Tissue. Uh, and the thing about Tissue is it's never a quick game. You get stuck into it. There's bravado. There's, you know, there's chance. There's the team play. The best way of playing this is two versus two. Um, it's a little bit like 45 or 110 um, or whatever you're having yourself but it, it's it's got a little bit extra in there um, there's a couple of extra rules and so on it's cheap, it's portable, it's well worth looking at uh, I wore out a copy of it and I now am on my second copy of Tissue uh, it's that good again so that's my number 5 great my number 5 is very different it is a game by Jamie Stegmeier of Stonemeyer Games called Viticulture, but it only makes my top five when you add in the Tuscany expansion. It's one of the very few games where the expansion really elevates the gameplay of the base game. 
Tuscany, uh, viticulture with Tuscany. You are a uh, you are someone who's inherited an underperforming vineyard somewhere in France, possibly Tuscany. And you are trying to make your vineyard world renowned. And so you get these victory points, which are really renowned points, in my opinion. It's a worker placement game that is just done spectacularly, especially the way the worker placement, the actions, fits in with the theme. I love good mechanics. I love good themes. And if a game has both, that makes my heart sing. The components are excellent. The, the workmanship is, is, is excellent. And the other thing, and, 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 and while this won't, necessarily put a game in the top 10 uh, with Stonemeyer games their customer support is so good that it almost makes you want to buy any game of theirs no matter how how good it is uh, that's my number five it's viticulture with the tuscany expansion by Stonemeyer games the um i went and i bought recently the expansion it's sitting in my press it's still in the wrap i must read the rules um it's supposed to be fantastic. You've recommended it highly. I like the original, but this is supposed to add quite a bit to it. My number four is, again, a little bit different. It's Imperial 2030, which is an updated version of Imperial. Uh, and it's a conquest game, surprisingly. You've seen a pattern here. The, um, the game itself is, when you take it out and you put it on the map, it looks a little bit like Diplomacy uh, or maybe Risk. Uh, but it's subtly different uh, and by subtly I mean massively the idea of the game is each person up to six controls a nation so you have America, you have Europe, Russia and so on uh, and you're trying to raise uh, as many points as you can by conquering areas and taxing them and so on um, and you score points when you tax an area you also make money for building more units so it's standard stuff but what makes it different is you don't own the countries, you invest in them. Uh, and this makes the game completely different. So, for example, you might be playing America because you have the highest shares in America. But somebody else could take it out from underneath you by investing in bigger share of America. Or well, what happens in a lot of cases is if someone's doing really well, people will allow them to continue on and boost their shares and not actually push it over the limit. It's it's a head wrecker, and um, one you, when you've played it the first few times, and it does take several games to get your head around it. Um, it will bamboozle you, but the game is worth sticking with. It's got so much in there. The games are always close. Um, it's a really really nice game, uh, and that's my recommendation. Imperial Twenty Thirty. My number four is Scythe, another Stonemaier game. Again, fits into the theme. Great gameplay, great art, great theme, all wrapped up beautifully. Scythe is a big game, has lots of components, um, and the component quality is excellent. But what I really like about the game is it's set in this 1920s alternate post-World War I with mechs. And you're all trying to be, take over this land and be the most popular, as measured by money, leader of that land. And I love the asynchronous powers. I love how... The uh, not only do you have asynchronous powers based on your faction, but also what is your faction best known for, whether it be agricultural, industrial, and so forth. And on top of that, the art is just amazing. Uh, the game was actually inspired by the artwork, and then Jamie Stegmeier developed a game around it. What I like also about the game is, even though there's mechs, 
it's not the actual combat, and this is its biggest ding by most people who ding it. it. It's not a combat game. It's really an economic game where the threat of combat drives a lot of your decisions. Because if you go attack someone's mech and they have workers with them, you lose popularity, and when you lose popularity, you lose money. So that kind of decision tree, that kind of trade-off, really makes this game an excellent game for me. The, the expansions, while nice, brings the game up to seven players. They've added warships and alternate endings. They're all very nice. It doesn't really dramatically change the game play. The base is that good that I've put it as my number four. So my number four game is Jamie Stegmeier's Scythe. I've played it a couple of times. Um, I I can't say I'm a massive fan, but then again, people who've played several games of it are, are, are blown away by it. Uh, and have kind of, to me, it's like uh, a TV series where it doesn't really get cooking until series two. Um, but I'm willing to play it again. It looks amazing. It's 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 a lovely looking game, uh, but I haven't had the urge to buy it, and that's usually an indicator. Um, okay, my number three is Forbidden Stars. I'm a huge fan of this game. Uh, there's varying opinions on it, but anytime somebody mentions if we get four players around and we can't, you know, there's nothing pressing, we'll play Forbidden Stars. It's set in the Warhammer 40k universe. You have four different factions, each of which play differently, uh, that are out to get a number of objectives. And what's very interesting about this game is uh, it's a conquest game. Um, unlike a lot of other games, there are no alliances. Now, that could be the people I play with, but I don't think so. Just the, the whole kind of universe is it's war, war, war. And this game is just straight out, you know, war. Occasionally, you will let somebody survive because you don't have the manpower to take them out. That's usually the reason that you don't attack them. But um, it's a very, very nice game. Unfortunately, it's out of print, just like Fury of Dracula. And again, uh, that IP was lost to uh, Fantasy Flight. Uh, and there haven't been the expansions, which is a, a sin. Uh, I hope the game comes back out as something else with the same mechanics uh, and with some extra rules and so on. But as it stands, it's still a magnificent Conquest game. It's a Conquest game again. Uh, I really, really recommend it. So that's my number three, Forbidden Stars. I've heard Forbidden Stars is going to get a reprint sometime relatively soon, maybe towards the end of 2018. So uh, that's the rumor mill that I heard. So we'll see what happens. My number three is The Only Legacy game on my list and probably on yours given what you your past eight have been and my number eight i'm sorry my number three is pandemic legacy season one by leacock and devon uh published by z-man games a lot of people aren't pandemic fans a lot of people aren't co-op fans clearly you're not a co-op fan and <laughs> this game is playing a book a book with incredible plot twists incredible changes of strategy you're going along one way and then the game throws you a, a right turn that you're not prepared for and all of a sudden you're scrambling uh the game's been out for several years there's a lot of spoiler stuff out there i'm not going to spoil it here the one negative about this game is because like a book you read a book through once you know everything that's going to happen same thing with here and the other piece of it is and it, and it makes it hard for a lot of game players including myself is Sometimes you rip up cards. So one of your characters dies, you rip it up, they're they're gone from the game forever. Not for that round or for that gameplay. They're gone forever. So that throws a few people off. 
But the gameplay, the storyline, the, the changing strategy because things change and you find out new information makes this game a number three for me. For a while, it was the number one game on the BGG list. And there's a reason. It's really that good. So my number three game is Pandemic Legacy Season 1 by Z-Man Games. It's a, no, the, the co-op thing is, is a filthy lie. I do like co-op games, but it's like the coach's daughter or son. They have to work really hard to impress me. The, uh, there are one or two there, uh, and it's probably not a bad time to stop for two minutes and kind of talk about some honorable mentions, um, one of which, in my case, would be a co-op game. Um, it would be um, uh, oh, Mansions of Madness, second edition, um, the, which is a co-op game. It uses an app, uh, which in a lot of cases are dirty words to me, but they just got it perfectly right with this. It's a great game. Um, go on, tell me one of your honorable mentions, Philip, and we'll bounce it back and forth. Sure. So my honorable mention, uh, number one, which is a game you haven't mentioned yet, but I suspect it's either going to be one or two, and my guess is number one, uh, Twilight Struggle. Great game, great two-player game. The issue with it uh, that doesn't put it higher on the list is that I just don't get it to the table as much because of the of the people that I play with, and I'm typically playing with four people. So Twilight Struggle is one of my honorable mentions. Okay. Uh, Star Wars Rebellion and Star Wars Rebellion is on a million miles from more of the ring it's a really really good game it's really a two player it can be played four player but it's a tense game um, and it's, it's, it's a great um, strategic game a lot of pieces a um, lot of real estate but well worth trying out my other honorable mention is Panamax which is a game a dice placement game where it has the really boring sounding theme of Pushing ships through the Panama Canal using dice as resources and cargo. What makes this great game this game great is not how well it's sort of like uh, your game, um, like Imperial Twenty Thirty. You're in, you're running a company, except the way you win is by having the most money personally. So when you can buy other people's stock, you can do a lot of different things, and it's how much money you have personally, not how much your company. If your company goes bankrupt but you still have the most money, hey, you win. <laughs> It's a really good game. Uh, some of the components are kind of cheesy. That's why it doesn't end up in my top 10. It's a little harder to get to hit the table because the gameplay is somewhat complicated, but that is one of my honorable mentions. Okay, I'm going to have a last one before we get back to the top two. And one uh, is Ascending Empires. Uh, and this is a lesser known game. It's got a mechanic in there that shouldn't work. It's that you flick your pieces on the board. Uh, it's a conquest game, surprise, surprise, um, but you have little wooden pieces that you move into orbit around larger blocks by flicking them across, kind of Sabutio style. Um, you have to see it, you have to try it out. Uh, it shouldn't work, it really works well. Uh, the game is hard to get, but it's, it's, it's worth seeing. So my last honorable mention before we get to my number two is Tiny Epic Galaxies. This is not a deep game. This is a 45-minute game by Scott Alms, published by Gamelin Games. What I like about it is it's solo. I travel quite a bit. It's small. It fits into my backpack very, very easily. Even if you have cargo pants, it'll fit into your pant pockets. It has some really clever, clever mechanisms. It's a quick game, and the solo play is fantastic. And that's really why um, it, it's in my honorable mentions. It's not the greatest game of all time. But the solo play, the quickness of it, and the, the size of it 
really boosted up to an honorable mention. So I'm going to switch things up here. I'm going to go to my number two first. And my number two is Concordia by Rio Grande Games. And the designer, of course, is Matt Gertz. Concordia has lousy art. And its reprint had even worse art, which is should not be, should not have happened. However, the gameplay is fantastic. You're playing uh, Roman noble families who are trying to set up trading houses and trying to have the most points. And there's a set collection and so forth that that you don't know how well you've done until the end of the game. And so you're constantly trying to figure out, all right, what what cards does this guy have? What card does these guys have? What towns are they in? What are they striving for? And the gameplay is simple. You have a you have a set of cards. You play a card. You do the action on the card. The next person goes, and then when you're ready to pick up all your cards to be able to reuse them again, there's one last card that does it. And resources are tight. Decisions are tight. If you're not the first person in a town, but you want to put a trading house there, you can do it, but it's going to cost you a lot extra. The decisions here are great. The artwork stinks. Uh, but the rule set is so easy that you can pick it up very, very quickly, and the decisions are tough. So that's my number two, Concordia by Rio Grande Games. Okay. My number two uh, is Twilight Struggle, funny enough. Oh, I thought it was going to be number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no surprises there. Um, it's not a conquest. Oh, okay, it's a conquest game. Um, it simulates, if you will, it's another GMT game. You have two players. You have uh, the... Communists versus the USA. Um, and you are vying for power through the Cold War, uh, through 10 turns, uh, trying to get as much um, influence as you can onto the world stage. The game, when it was introduced to me, blew my mind. Uh, it's a headache game because you wind up making the best, worst decision. Uh, you need to play the game any number of times it's like a racetrack you need to figure out the corners and how quickly you can go through them and you need to know what cards can come out but even a a beginner player can have an awful lot of fun Uh, but as you play more and more this game it becomes better so five or six games in you know you're in for an amazing experience Uh, and you need to play somebody who's relatively closely matched i've played this at all hours uh, at conventions I, i had one friend of mine uh, it, the, the score is 1-1 one, one, one at the moment and we must have our final match but he approached me at 2 in the morning and said we have a quick game and I went yeah why not uh, and we rattled on till 6 in the morning playing this game um, so that's my uh, number 2 and to jump right ahead of you I'm going to go with my number 1 so my oh number no two, my you, you conquest <laughs> boy it's a conquest game called Diplomacy uh, not sure if you've heard of it. It's uh, it's. Sent I think it came out in 1957. Ruins friendships forever. Exactly. Something like that. They weren't really your friends. I'm your friend. I'll support you into France. <laughs> you can trust me. Um, I picked up diplomacy soon after picking up Risk uh, many many years ago. The game has been around forever. Uh, it's a very very simple game. I remember teaching people this at a games convention oh, probably 20 years back. And maybe seven or seven people were sitting down. They were all young. Um, and I was explaining the rules and explaining the deals. Uh, and then I just mentioned that the deals are non-binding, to which two people smiled. Those two people were number one and two when the game was over. And I'm sure they're running corporations now or they're CEOs of God knows what. 
it's it's a very simple game but it's a, a game where you have to make deals with others you can play it by email i've played blind email games where we didn't know where the other players were i've played it by telephone i've played computer versions of it uh, you know if i could you know get it as eye drops i'd do it as well or if i could get an inhaled version of it it was it's a great game and it does take a lot out of you and because it's an intensive game and it will make you bleed from the eyes nose and ears uh, if you let it get you it's it's a real kind of management study game diplomacy what's your number one finally yeah. <laughs> yeah. Finally. So I, uh, I'll just say that diplomacy is a game that, if if you can lie, cheat, and steal, and you're okay with other people doing that to you, it's a great game. My number one, which is completely different, is Baseball Highlights 2045 by Eagle Griffith Games, designed by Mike Fitzgerald. This is a hand management game, and it's baseball. And I understand a lot of people say, "Oh, I hate baseball." The reason I like board games is I don't have to deal with the sportsy stuff. I understand that. That's all valid. Even if you hate baseball, this is a game you'll like. What you are is a manager of a baseball team that has humans, robots, and cyborgs. And because in the theme of the game, uh, in this backstory of the game, baseball was getting boring. They went from nine innings to six innings. That didn't work, and then they added these things. And what you're really playing like, and it really feels like this, is you're playing mini-games of a highlight reel. So you play six cards and your mini game is over. Once you've played your mini game, whoever's won is won, and then you count out how much money you've earned for playing that game with the players that you've used, and there you can start buying free agents. When you buy a free agent, they get to be used in the next game, but then somebody who played in this game has to be has to go into the minor leagues and is gone forever. And so it adds this management style and it's again it's mano a mano in the sense of I have to be careful of what you are doing because I'm going to have to create. I'm going to have to buy cards that can respond to the threats that you're putting to me. The back and forth is incredible. The artwork by William Bruckner and Franz Volwinkel. I'm probably mispronouncing his name. Really evokes sort of this 19s, 1930s baseball when baseball was more of a pure sport, and they you you just went for the joy of it. And, and I've taught this games to people who don't like baseball or or who who are from Europe and don't know the rules of baseball because they have this cocky mimic game called cricket, um, which I don't think they play that much in Ireland. But it's it's one of these games that it, it plays relatively quickly, but the decisions and having to play off what the other player does and being able to manage these teams, bringing uh, these free agents in, and there's so many free agents that each game plays very, very differently. So for my number one, it's Baseball Highlights 2045, by Eagle Griffith Games and designed by Mike Fitzgerald. It's kind of interesting. No, there are actually some cricket teams in Ireland, but um, hurling is a, a real person's game where you go out and dive. Hey, go Tipperary Cats. Go <laughs> Kilkenny Cats. It's okay. We will never oh, sorry, Kilkenny Cats. Um, okay, listen. This has been us talking um, for the evening and kind of you know telling you what we like. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys and uh, what you like. Uh, because we're always looking for recommendations for games. Philip, I'm going to leave you with the last word. Um, so if you want to lead us out. I, I absolutely will. As I said, uh, please leave comments. At, as Vic said, please leave comments at the bottom of iTunes. We, we read them. We laugh at them. I mean, we take them seriously. And you can also reach me on Twitter at the, uh, with the at sign, Board Game Rabbi. And we hope you enjoy this. Our next 
podcasts will be more in lines with doing reviews and what we're playing. So we hope that you like the number our our top ten to give you a sense of what we like. Vic obviously likes Conquest. I like more thematic games with good mechanics. Everybody is welcome. Everybody's allowed to have whatever taste they want. We just wanted to let you know what we like. So with that, thank you very much. And hey, Vic, have a good night. You too. Good to have you. Thanks, Philip.